Welcome to Shadow Talk, your weekly cybersecurity and threat intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Amado. Today, we take the Robert Mueller indictment against 12 Russian individuals for alleged US election interference and do something a little bit different with it. Rather than dwell on issues of attribution, political timing, and the geopolitical ramifications of the charges, we'll instead focus on the detailed tactics, techniques, and procedures laid out in the indictment. Our security and research team used the MITRE attack framework to play back the findings of the indictment. And we've got Katie Nichols, a member of the MITRE team, joining us to discuss the attack framework in greater detail. And joining me this week, it's Dr. Richard Gold, Head of Security Engineering at Digital Shadows. How are you doing, Richard? Hi, Rafa. Doing very well, thank you. Great. And we're all very excited about our next guest. Joining us on the line is Katie Nichols from the MITRE Corporation. Katie is the Attack Threat Intelligence Lead at MITRE. Katie, thank you for taking part in the podcast and welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, without further ado, let's set the scene for this week's discussion. So on the 13th of July, the US Department of Justice charged 12 Russian individuals belonging to Russia's military intelligence agency, the GRU, for both influence operations and network intrusions. Now, these were allegedly conducted against the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC, an unnamed U.S. election technology company, and individuals involved in the Clinton presidential campaign. Now, there are many ways of reading the indictment, but today we're going to delve. In, we're not going to delve into the political ramifications of all this. Instead, we're going to focus on the very detailed account of the techniques allegedly used by the GRU for these operations. This week, Richard and the team published a great blog that maps the GRU's techniques against the MITRE attack framework. For each stage of the operation, we've been able to identify the specific techniques being used, be it spear phishing, credential reuse, drive-by compromise, privilege escalation, for example, and then suggest some mitigation advice for organizations. Now, before we take a closer look at this analysis, Katie, can you give our listeners a brief introduction to the MITRE Corporation? and then explain exactly what the attack framework is, why it was developed, and how you commonly use it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so MITRE is a nonprofit, and we operate federally funded research and development centers. Um, so we do lots of research for the US government, but we also do cool research projects, and one of those research projects is attack. Simply stated, attack is a knowledge base of adversary behavior. So what can the adversaries do? There are a couple flavors of it, as I like to say. There's pre-attack, which is what adversaries can do before they've gotten into your networks. Enterprise attack, which is how they get in and then what they do after they're in. And then also mobile attack, which focuses more on Android and iOS, whereas enterprise focuses on Windows, Linux, and Mac. Most people are familiar with enterprise attack, and but we also have pre-attack and mobile attack, which you've used in the blog post I saw. So from attack, there are a lot of use cases you can do as we've mapped out all these adversary behaviors or tactics, techniques, and procedures. So the traditional attack visualization is in a matrix. Across the top, we have tactics, which are the adversary's goals. And then under those, we have techniques, which is how the adversaries achieve those goals. So you mentioned a few of them, things like lateral movement, initial access, persistence. And the power in attack is really in the use cases that you can use it for. The one we like to talk about is mapping detections. 
from that matrix, looking at what a specific tool or a suite of tools can do. What can those tools detect? And from there, you can find the gaps, figure out how you fill those gaps, and then keep going back and doing that. Another great use case is for red teaming or purple teaming, which is when you throw in the blue with the red. That's actually how attack got started. Um, the red team would, would express what they're doing in attack format or using the attack techniques, and the blue team can compare what they see. And the same way that you'd iterate on detections, you know, add your detections, and the red team goes again and allows a way to measure your progress in an incremental way. The other use case, um, and I'm a threat analyst, so I'm biased towards this one, threat intelligence. Um, attack gives us a way to structure threat intelligence so you're not just looking at indicators of compromise. It lets you really get into that adversary behavior towards the top of David Bianco's pyramid of pain. Um, and from there, once you've structured threat intelligence, as you guys have done in the blog, you can compare groups to each other and then also compare groups to your detection. So those are some of the key use cases that we see for attack. Thank you for that, Katie. Now, Rich, I mean, it may seem an obvious answer now, given what Katie's just said, but why did you choose to apply the attack framework to this particular indictment instead of other potential approaches? Yeah, so I've been interested in attack for a while, actually. And in general, I'm very interested in how to represent, model, and talk about adversary behavior. Now, there are other methods that have been talked about have been quite popular. So the, uh, to give it its full title, the Lockheed Martin Kill Chain TM, the Mandiant Attack Lifecycle, the Diamond Model, these other approaches to adversary behavior. But attack is very concrete. And that's something that I really appreciate. In all of these cases, when we were looking through the, in the indictment, as one example of these things, we we're trying to get to the reality of what the attackers did and how we can prevent, mitigate, detect their behavior. And I was originally thinking of using uh, another attack lifecycle, but I realized that it was very vague, very high level, and was okay. You know, you could fit the adversary behavior into it. But what I really liked about attack when I started to work with it was being able to be very specific. So we could talk about, for example, that there's a spear phishing with attachment TTP and that there's a spear phishing with a link TTP. And these things are different. And how you want to mitigate against these things, the approaches are different, whether or not you want to do security awareness training or how you do that awareness training is different. How you control what code can execute in your environment is different. And I really, that's what I really appreciated with attack. And it's also just so comprehensive. So, and especially when you're dealing with attackers like the GRU that we're looking at in this indictment, you can see that they have a very broad range of approaches that they're taking. And even when I was looking at the pre-attack parts, so all of the, all the work that's done before the actual intrusion, all of that reconnaissance, they, you really see how powerful pre-attack is because it really talked about pretty much all the things that were mentioned in the indictment that the attackers did beforehand. 
Yeah, those are great points, Richard. And you know, that's one of the reasons the team created attack in the first place is that we felt like some of the other things out there, like the kill chain, weren't quite granular enough, especially for defenders who want to get to that, you know, tactic, technique, and procedure level. So that's part of the reason the team created attack. And it was also created based on real threat reporting. Um, we try to have, for everything in the matrix, it's either something that we've seen in a threat report that we know adversaries are doing, or things that red teams are doing that we suspect adversaries are likely going to pick up very soon. Yeah. So Try to, to make it useful for defenders, right? Yeah, I, I, this is exactly what I what appealed to me so much about it. And I think you touched upon there one of my personal hobby horses, which is what are you protecting against? So often I find frustrating when dealing with security, whether it's vendors, whether it is approaches to securing systems, networks, people is that they don't really talk about the threat modeling too much. So they don't talk about what they're defending against. And what's so great with attack is that it is real world adversary behavior, which is why it also was, it fits so nicely to the, to the GRU indictment. It really focuses on what people are doing and what you can pick up. And the, the link that you made as well to the defense side of things. So often I find that these uh, the threat reports can be very focused on adversary behavior to the exclusion of everything else. And of course, I'm interested in adversary behavior, but only to the extent that it allows me to protect our network to help us protect our customers' networks. So what I find really helpful is that natural link to the defensive side, to go from the, the, the attacker side to the defensive side. Yeah, I find that same thing that sometimes threat analysts were our own worst enemy, right? We write these amazing 10-page reports about adversaries, and then no one reads them. And then how are they useful for defense, right? So if you map your threat intel to that structure of attack, it's pretty easy if your defenders are already writing their detections based on attack. They can very immediately see where the threat is and kind of build that threat model they can then use to inform defenses, which is the whole idea behind threat intelligence, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's a, a point somebody made on Twitter a, bit, a while ago that really stuck with me. It's, it's a bit of a clunky phrasing, but I think it's very valuable. He said, you shouldn't really think about defensive security. It should be counter-offensive security. And defense is offense's child. And I think something like attack really goes a long way to being able to do that, to be able to focus your defenses against actual adversary behavior. And you mentioned previously as well about purple teaming, which is something I'm a huge fan of. It's something that we do inside of DS. And it's something that I think, as you say, with attack, it really lends itself very, very nicely to that. And it's a great way for people who are maybe not so experienced with adversary behavior to give them a, a single place where they can go to it and they can look at this repository and they can see, okay, this is what adversaries are actually doing. Okay, let's look at the GRU techniques in more detail then. Like Katie, you talked about trying to structure intelligence reports using this framework and making it more digestible and actionable for people. And I think, Rich, in this blog, I think that's a very good example of that. So this goes out to both of you. Tell our listeners, what are the specific TTPs, the tactics, techniques, the procedures found in this indictment that you've been able to map to the attack framework? Let's go through a few of them one by one, maybe. I can start. The thing that really struck me about the TTPs, which are 
described in the indictment is how many there are. And I think this is something which is really worth paying close attention to. So it's not just that they had one technique and that technique was very sophisticated. It was an O'Day or something like this. They didn't appear from the indictment at least to be using O'Days, but they used every trick in the book to get in. So the, we can see that there's spear phishing attachment, spear phishing link, as I mentioned already. And then once they got in, they used a trusted relationship between the DCCC and the DNC network to jump from one place to the other. So they captured some of these credentials, they replayed these credentials to jump from one network to the other. And what's really clear to me is how they would just use whatever worked, whatever they needed to get the job done. And that persistence and that continuous forward motion to, to get in and to accomplish their mission, I think is what makes them so capable as an adversary. Yeah, there were a couple techniques that stuck out to me. Um, I'm a fan of a lot of the collection ones, uh, input capture, screen capture, because they're so vivid, right? You, they talk about how you know, these actors were looking at what the DCCC employees were actually doing, um, which is scary. Um, I also appreciated the email collection technique, which is the adversaries uh, gained access to the Microsoft Exchange server, which is pretty scary, again, that they're pulling any email they want from that organization. Um, another benefit that I saw to mapping to attack in the blog post is, you know, in the indictment, there isn't a ton of information on persistence. Um, you know, how did the adversaries you know, add a registry run key or something like that? Well, that's okay because you can combine it with other threat intelligence reporting as you link to in the blog post. Um, most people are assuming that um, the actors describing the indictment are the group known as APT28. And so you can go back and look at from other reporting, what has APT28 done to persist? So the other benefit of mapping to attack is you can, when you look across all the tactics, you can see pretty quickly where the gaps are in the report that you have and then try to fill those with other reporting. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good point. I noticed that as well when I was writing up the blog post that there were clearly gaps in the, in, in the indictment from where certain TTPs would have been used. And what is great is that attack gives you that ability to take something which is not intended to be a manual for defendants. The indictment is clearly a legal document for a legal purpose, but because it had so much good information in, and I, I just love the, the, the indictments that come out of um, the US government, so big, big shout out to those guys. Uh, I really uh, have got a, learned a lot from them. They, um, yeah, you can, you can really see that with attack, you can get all of this great information, this great structure and this great flow of the attack, attacker behavior through having this framework in place. I would say the other TTP that really jumped out to me was the data from information repositories that they got onto the analytics machines that were being hosted by a cloud provider and used the cloud provider's own backup technology to snapshot the analytics and exfiltrate it. Yeah, that cloud portion jumped out to me as well with so many people moving to cloud computing, you know, thinking about what are the vulnerabilities there that I need to be watching out for? And this is a great example of actors who actually use that. Um, it actually points out something that we're working on and trying to brainstorm right now in the attack team 
is what does attack for cloud look like? Um, because some of these, you know, creating backups or snapshots um, to steal data, it doesn't quite fit anywhere, uh, specifically in attack right now. So we're looking at things like that. How could we add cloud techniques? So if anyone has, you know, thoughts on that, please reach out to us. Um, we'd love to hear it. But this indictment was sort of a great example of some of the things adversaries are doing in the cloud. And I think uh, the other interesting part I found was how they did the exfiltration. So they compressed the data, they encrypted it, and then exfiltrated it out to another server, which looked like it had been used just for that purpose alone. Yeah, another thing that jumped out to us, there are so many in here, um, was that they mentioned the actors used the Linux version of XAgent, which it's so rare that we see any open source threat reporting on how adversaries are targeting Linux. So that was pretty exciting for us as well. Yeah, that was interesting that it was something that evaded detection for so long. If you then look at the existing open source reporting, as you mentioned previously, if you cross-check against that, you'll see that this threat actor has multi-platform support. It's not just Windows. It's not just a PowerShell suite. It is Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android. These guys are really targeting everything that they can get their hands on. So with the amount of techniques and stages you guys have discussed here, it can seem a bit maybe overwhelming for some of our listeners. But as you've alluded to before, the beauty of the attack framework is that it encourages you to look at ways of mitigating at each stage of an operation. So what are some of the main defensive techniques organizations should be concentrating on that have come out of this GRU indictment? For me personally, I think that two-factor authentication is something which is a very strong control and is something that really does make life difficult for attackers, especially if you look at quite advanced 2FA solutions like UTF with universal second factor where they are cryptographically authenticating the site that you're talking to. It's a very powerful control. Yeah, I was going to say two-factor as well, so you stole mine, Richard. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. What, you know, what struck me as well is how many attack techniques there were in this indictment, right? And those were things that we already had out there. We already had, you know, mitigation ideas and detection ideas on our website. You know, adversaries sometimes do new techniques and then we'll add those to attack, but so much of what they do has been done before, right? So if you already have a robust defense and depth strategy, if you're already looking for things like people taking screenshots and people keylogging, that type of thing, you have a decent chance to catch these actors. You know, maybe you don't catch them coming in, but maybe you catch them as they're collecting data from your environment. So that's what really struck me that, you know, the more threat reporting that comes out, the more I'm struck that it's a lot of the things that adversaries have traditionally done anyways. Yeah, I think that's gets to another point, which is for me very, very key. It's not the what, it's the how. And I think that's another reason why I like attack is because you can describe the what, what attackers do. You can describe that quite well, and attackers done a fantastic job of categorizing attacker behavior. But it's how they do it is what separates the more commodity threats from threat actors like the GRU. They can really take something like spear phishing, and you can do that in a very basic way, or you can do it as they did with a lot of background research with OSINT, with maybe human, who knows what happened behind the scenes. 
but you can put together all of this in intelligence that you've collected and use that to drive your spearfishing. And they did spearfishing really at scale as well. It wasn't just one or two, it was many targets. So I think that one of the great things with using attack in this way is that it frees you up to talk about the how, which is what's really interesting. So Richard, thinking about the complexity of attack, you know, we're up to 219 techniques in enterprise attack right now. One question I had for you was how you found the approach of kind of mapping this indictment to attack, because I've done that on a lot of the examples we have on our website, but not a whole lot of people in the community are doing that. So I was curious how that process was for you and any takeaways you had from that. So I found it to be a pretty good process. I was already reasonably familiar with attack beforehand. I've looked at it for adversary emulation purposes. And I think that it, it did go pretty well. It is, as you say, there's a lot there. And I think that, for example, with pre-attack, it was difficult to really cherry pick a limited subset of the techniques because I found that the, the way that the attacker behavior was described in the indictment could often fit into multiple places. So it, of course the attackers themselves, they just do what is necessary. So they're not concerned about neat categorization. So there's a lot of stuff which is kind of on the border between different TTPs or blurs different TTPs together. That can sometimes be a little bit tricky to handle. So at some point you have to make a judgment call about which one you're going to use over, over another one. So for example, uh, a colleague picked up one that, from, that I made is that I originally thought of something as a supply chain where they jump from one network to another, from one organization to another, but there was the trusted relationship TTP. So that was more appropriate. So sometimes you can, you can get, uh, you can get caught up on, you know, you think you found something which is, which kind of describes what you're interested in, but it turns out there's actually a better one. So that, that process, does, does take a bit of time to iterate through and make sure that you've really covered stuff. And I'm sure that there's TTPs in attack, which I have missed. Yeah, you bring up a great point about your, you know, your teammate pointing out one that you missed. And we find that within our team as well, that, you know, I'll map a threat report to attack and I'll see five techniques and then my colleague will do it and they'll see two more. And I think that that's sort of just part of the analytic process, right? It's humans who are doing this. So different people yeah. are going to be different things. So one tip we like to give is, you know, have two different people look at the report and then you can throw ideas back and forth and say, Hey, I saw this technique. What did you see? So Katie on that, I want to kind of flip that question around to you from your experience. And you obviously want to champion the attack framework, but from the people you speak to, why is it that a lot of organizations or a lot of uh, security people don't actually choose to employ uh, mapping against the attack framework as a technique? Yeah, it's a great question. And as I've talked to some kind of threat intelligence producers, I think some of it is that people haven't thought about doing it, right? Attack initially has been embraced by the red team community and now it's gaining traction for defenders. But sometimes I think the threat intelligence analysts just haven't thought of doing it. Um, I think part of it is also that it might be daunting, right? If you've Look, you're looking at attack for the first time. It's 219 techniques in enterprise and even more in pre-attack and mobile attack, and that can be pretty tough. Um, so one tip that I like to give people if they're just starting out trying to map reporting to attack is look at the tactic level first, the adversary goal, the things like lateral movement. 
And so if you know that something is a lateral movement technique, bring up that page and then you have a subset of techniques to look at rather than the whole matrix, which can be kind of overwhelming. I wonder if uh, there's also a little bit of not invented here, which might slow things down a little bit, that people want to have their own ways of describing things or they feel like they want to, they, they give something up by using something that's presented by another organization or that it feels that it's not really you know, their own work. But in my opinion, I think we all benefit as a community from having a common language and a common vocabulary. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's a great point that I should bring up that we rely on community contributions for attacks. So though, you know, it's MITRE right now who's deciding what gets in and not, uh, we don't see everything. We don't see all adversary behavior. We don't know all the techniques that are going on out there. So we really rely on the community and we have a ton of contributors who send us ideas for threat groups we should add, new techniques, modifications we should make. So we hope that'll continue. And so we really want this to be a community framework with MITRE kind of helping maintain it. But we want the community to feel like they're part of it as well. And then maybe some of that buy-in as we see people contribute techniques, it makes more sense and it's easier for them to use it. Just a reminder that the security engineering blog we've been discussing today titled MITRE Attack and the Mueller GRU Indictment Lessons for Organizations can be found on resources.digitalshadows.com along with tons of other research and content from the Digital Shadows team. For more information on the MITRE Attack framework, visit attack.mitre.org where you'll find a treasure trove of knowledge on modeling adversary behavior. Now, to wrap up, I'd like each of you to give our listeners a closing thought or takeaway from today's discussion. Rich, would you like to go first? Sure. For me, I think the most interesting thing to come out of the indictment was the sheer scale and range of TTPs deployed by the adversary. And I think that's something that's really worth paying attention to, that these very capable attackers do not just have one tool in their toolkit, that they can really use a wide range of TTPs and that the MITRE attack framework is a great place to go and to learn about what TTPs are out there being used by attackers. Yeah, and I guess my takeaway is when there's a new report like this or any other major threat intelligence event that happens, don't freak out, pause, take a look at it, and then consider how you, your defenses would respond, right? As I mentioned, a lot of the techniques in this report are things that are already in attack. And so if you're already trying to employ a defense in-depth strategy, you likely would have caught a lot of these TTPs. And then the other one is when you're looking at threat reporting, consider using attack for a lot of the benefits that we've talked about today. And as you're doing that, if you see gaps in it, please let us know. You can email us at attack Some great tips there. I'd like to thank my guests once again for joining. Katie, it's been an absolute pleasure. We hope to have you back on the podcast again soon. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And Rich, thank you once again for your wise words. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Have a great week.